Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Danny Shader, CEO and founder of a company called Pay Near Me, who you may remember from the Finnovate stage many years ago. Danny, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate having you on the show. Very fun to be here. Once a Finnovate, always a Finnovate, right? Yeah, excellent, excellent. So uh, for those of you uh, in the audience who haven't heard uh, their, their demo, understandable, since it's a little while ago, Danny, can you start with just a brief introduction of who you are and what Pay Near Me is all about? Sure, PayNearMe is a payment experience management company. So we take over everything related to how our customers and their customers deal with payments. And our customers are uh, billers and interestingly enough, also iGaming slash gambling operators. Um, We process all the different forms of tender, uh, you know, ACH, cards, all the new forms of tender and importantly cash through our proprietary cash transaction network. We handle all the ways that people interact with those payments. So mobile, web, IVR, print, et cetera. And then all the ways that people engage with those payments. So the reminders, the scheduled payments, the future payments, the business logic that controls that and all that. So it's essentially an enterprise software system that controls everything about payment experience. Excellent. Now, if you go back and look at the original Pay Near Me demo a while ago, obviously things have really evolved quite a bit since then. And there's been a couple of different pivots and opportunities for you guys to get into different areas, which I think is really cool. But I think this also underscores one of the big challenges in the fintech industry, which is you, you have to be flexible as an organization. You have to be able to respond to circumstances on the ground that change. And, and obviously one of the real challenges there is what we're going to spend the, the time talking about today. How do you build a team that that's able to respond, that's able to have that type of flexibility. And, and if you're an early stage founder, what do you need to do from a staffing perspective to make sure that you're well set up for success? So with that said, I think you know, it'd be helpful just to get a sense of you know, what you have done at Pay Near Me that has allowed you guys to be able to make these kind of pivots, make these kind of adjustments, and be as successful as you have been over the last decade plus. Well, I, you know, I'd start by saying that, that, that this is not unique to... Um, to, to fintech, uh, in general, I know of almost no hugely successful startup, with the possible exception maybe of of, um, of Facebook, that ended up doing what it set out to do. Right? Usually, you know, your first business idea I think of as a prop, and it's the excuse that lets you interact with customers. You pitch them what you think is a great idea, and then they either like that idea or they don't. And if they don't, you figure out what they do like, and then you do that. And then you just sort of, in my view, kind of just bump your way down the road until you end up in, in a really a real and big market. Um, so I, you know, I'd start by saying that's the fundamental premise. And then obviously what you want to do is surround yourself with people who think that way, who are, who are mostly interested in being successful by figuring out what the market wants and being willing to adjust to doing that, as opposed to being in love with their own idea or their own genius uh, so much so that they ignore uh, what, you know, what the market's telling them. 
Sure. You know, I've heard it said before that when you're hiring, you kind of want to find somebody who, when looking at building a new and better toaster, starts by just breaking all the toasters that they can find and seeing how they work. Um, instead of somebody who comes into it with an idea that, you know, here's my idea for a really good new toaster. I think this is the toaster that you're going to have. Is, does that kind of line up with, with what you're saying here? Uh, you know, I would say it a little differently. Rather than breaking a bunch of toasters, I would ask a bunch of people who make toast. Huh. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> what you like and all like, you know, because again, it is a little bit of the assumption that, you know, you're going to figure it out yourself by looking at toaster. And by the way, there are people who are, you know, true product geniuses and figure it out on their own, but that's pretty rare, right? I think the the most clearest path to success is is to interact with the toast makers and figure out how to solve, you know, figure out what they don't like about their current toaster and give them a toaster that doesn't do that. Sure. Well, I'm acutely aware now that it's time for my second breakfast, as they would say in Lord of the Rings. But we'll, we'll move we'll move away from the toast now. Um, and and yeah. so I think let's let's dive into a little bit more specifics. Let's talk about some of the real attributes, the specific attributes that you look for when you're making a hire. Can you talk through some of the pieces that you kind of have on your rubric there? Yeah, sure. I, look, my, my view is uh, that there are four things that. And I, by the way, this is not an original idea. This is something I inherited from a guy named Bill Campbell, who was a mentor to me and many other people in the Valley. But I think if you look at the people who were around Bill, they tended to have four, they all had four characteristics. They were all reasonably smart, hardworking, you know, very hardworking, had unquestionable integrity, and had what Bill would have called character, but I think today we call grit, this sort of willingness to hang in there. Um, and if you think about it, there's a lot of people in your life who have two or three of those attributes. There aren't that many that have four. Uh, and focusing on those four attributes matters, I think, the most, because when you get a set of people like that who find other people like them who are like that, they realize how special that is, and they want to stay together and, uh, through thick and thin, because you know it's a rare set of, uh, of attributes to have all in one person. And so I think that's that's the trick to the whole thing. And by the way, notice what I didn't say was, you know, went to Harvard or did this or did that. Um, I, you know, I I put very little stock in that. I put a lot of stock in those attributes. And you know, obviously the trick is to figure out, you know, if people really have those. But that that's the, I think that's the key. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. I think if you look at that list, you know, intelligence, work ethic, integrity, and grit, you know, you, you combine those, it's really easy to see how that adds up to somebody who's going to be a very valuable employee. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, though, with that last piece. How do you go about actually discovering who those people are? And how can you, as a hiring manager, be confident that you're bringing people in who have those attributes? Are there certain indicators that you can look for that you can sort of point to? You know, obviously, we're saying not necessarily have to go to a specific school or something like that. But but what can you look at when you, you see a resume or where you're in an interview process um, to really kind of pull out whether or not somebody kind of ticks all four of those boxes? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not particularly great at it. I, I tend to go, I don't think I'm a particularly great interviewer. I tend to go by reputation and also by gut. And then frankly, you know, working with people and then seeing what happens and the ones who stay are the ones who tend to have those attributes and the ones who don't have, you know, have other attributes. But what I have found interestingly enough is the people who I've recruited seem to be really good at finding people like that. And also I think somebody I used to work with used to say people travel in clumps Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if your people are recruiting other people, those people will recruit other people and, and you can, you can build things out that way. Now, by the way, there's an obvious problem with that we can talk to, which is if that's all you do, you're not going to end up with a very diverse workforce. And today, obviously one of the real 
challenges, one of the things we're working really hard at is to increase our diversity. Um, so that's 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 part of the big new learning in light of what I just said. Yeah, and I, I think, and that's an important piece as well. But I, I want to come back to this idea that you know, it's it's actually okay to make mistakes here because I think some people look at this from the standpoint of I have to be perfect, I have to hire ah. up in a way that is you know every single decision has to be correct, and and that's obviously not the case. You know, I think you're bound to make mistakes. You have a very limited amount of information before you actually bring somebody on the team in terms of you know the resume that's in front of you, the interview. Maybe you have a half an hour or a couple of uh, hours of, of chatting with them before you decide to make a job offer, and so this sort of system on the back end of you know looking at new hires and trying to determine do they have these four attributes and if so you know, move them up and, and if not you know kind of uh move, move them to a different location or move them out i suppose you could say um i think that's a really important piece just to stress for people who are facing this problem because this is not an area where you have to act perfectly in order to be successful long term by the way, I'm going to assert to you again that that's true of everything. So sure, <laughs> I think I think people who think they have to be right all the time are really hamstrung, right? Because perfection is a really high standard to hold yourself to, as opposed to make the best decision you can with the facts you have on hand, and then if you make a bad decision, make a better decision to correct for it. Um, I, I just as an aside, I often tell people a story in our company because I want them to understand that I am hardly uh, infallible. Um, that I used to work with a guy, a really brilliant engineering guy named John Friend in my last company, who about six months after joining, looked at me with complete straight face and said, you know, I'm going to have to adjust the way I think because I'm not used to working with somebody who's wrong so much of the time. <laughs> and, and I was fine with that because my view was great. I, look, I, I, I don't have to get it right. I just have to, you know, we have to get it right. And so if I'm wrong and you convince me I'm wrong and we do what you want, and that's the right thing, great. Or even if you're wrong and then the market convinces you're wrong and we do the right thing, that's fine too. And I think this is true of hiring, right? You do, you do the best you can. By the way, you do the best you can at everything you do. And if it doesn't work, you do something different. Sure, sure. I mean, I think, that, and, and again, I think this is one of those things where, you know, uh, obviously founders are under a lot of pressure, both externally and internally. And people who tend to found companies have this drive to be, to succeed. They want to be the best. They're, you know, my experience with fintech companies and, and their founders is they're a competitive bunch. They all want to excel. And obviously that means that they have a lot of pressure on themselves that they put on themselves. But I really sure. appreciate you kind of saying, you know, that not only is it okay to make mistakes, but that mistakes are inevitable in, in everything, but especially in, in hiring. Um, when you know, obviously, you do have to kind of build a team over time. It takes a little while to kind of get that culture going. Now, I want to come back and talk a little bit about something. You way, just but, mentioned. But, but, oh, go ahead. But Greg, if I can say this, just one key thing. But once you've got the culture going, it tends to be self-perpetuating. Sure. That that's the good news, right? When, if you get if you get once you've got that core set of people who have the set of values you care about, they will tend to get other people who have those values. And by the way. If they don't, those people will tend to not make it. You know, Jeff Bezos used to say, I guess probably still says, in Amazon that a culture is like an immune system. It lets in the things it should and keeps out the things it shouldn't. And I think that that's a really accurate uh, statement. Sure, sure. No, that, yeah, that, I think that makes sense too. Um, so, so yeah, no, I do want to come back to this question of diversity because I think that is a really hot 
important topic to talk about right now. Um, yeah. And obviously, a lot of people paying attention to it from a variety of different angles. But I think one of the pieces that gets missed, that gets overlooked a lot in these conversations are the real benefits that come to organizations when they bring in diverse people from diverse backgrounds. Obviously, you want the same kind of characteristics, but the, the life experiences and the backgrounds of the people coming in, if you get diversity there, there are a lot of really big advantages that, that come with that. Can you talk to that a little bit? Some of the pieces that you think having you know, diverse experiences, diverse backgrounds, diverse genders, ethnicities, all of these pieces play in building a strong workforce? I, I, my response is yes. I mean, I think you've totally got it, which is, um, you know, look, a, a heterogeneous system tends to be more robust than a homogeneous system, right? And, uh, and the more diverse your workforce is across all the dimensions that you mentioned, uh, and vents and others that we probably didn't mention, the more likely you are to have, you know, kind of a robust um, system. And that's ultimately what we're trying to create, right? A, a robust adapting system that creates things for the market that the market wants. And how better to do that than try to reflect the market. And right. the market is, and, you know, America, assuming you're selling the United States and even more so if you're going globally, it's a, it's a diverse world. It's a diverse country and it's a diverse world. And your workforce ought to look like that at least. Sure, sure. No, I, I completely agree. And I think it's something that we're seeing more and more companies paying attention to who come across the Finnovate stage, of course, but also just in general outside of the fintech sphere. It's an area where, um, and I think rightly so, attention is being paid to something which had been maybe neglected for, well, not maybe, definitely been neglected for far too long. And uh, so, I remember that it goes against what I said at the beginning, because if, if people travel in clumps and you're only recruiting out of the clumps that people travel in, almost by definition, you're not going to diversify, right? So yeah. what we're trying to do is tap into new clumps, right? right. So the clumps and that and that that will help. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing I would say, I think we think about it is, you know, we've built we've built our company over time, and I think we view the project of diversifying our company as something that continues over time. So it's a process that never ends, and the standard we're holding ourselves to is that every quarter we will be more diverse than we were the quarter before. And you know, my hunch is in the same way over you know the 12 years or so we've built ourselves into a pretty successful business. I hope I hope this goes a lot more quickly, but you know, we will continue to plow away at the while this and plow away at this, and we'll make mistakes and we'll get some things right. And then I think we're gonna wake up in a couple of years and we're gonna look a lot different than we look today, and we're gonna benefit from that. Yeah, no, this but, is but been... we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there by just continuous improvement and continuous improvement. Yeah, yeah. This has been a really great conversation. I'm afraid we have to end it here. We are out of time, but I really appreciate a couple of the things that you said here about you know letting it kind of evolve organically, building it up over time, um, and, and finding this balance between you know unlocking these clumps of people who you know are going to give the kind of attributes that you want for your organization, but also being really diverse and where you try and find those clumps, unearthing new clumps somewhere else. It's not a great phrase as far as creating a super pleasant imagery, but I think in terms of hiring, it's <laughs> It's a, it's really fun. So um, yeah, but can I make one comment on something you said? Yes. Is, yeah, go ahead. I don't think you can just let it happen organically. Sure. I think if it happens organically, you'll end up looking like what you looked like the quarter before. So, you know, I, I, I resist the word intentional because I think it gets overused, but I actually think this is one of the things you have to be very intentional about and very deliberate about in order to change. But I think my, my belief is as the flywheel starts spinning and, and the, and the organization it helps becomes more diverse that fly will be, it will be easier and easier and easier to improve. 
Sure. No, that that's great. Thanks you for uh, for coming and clarifying that last piece. Well, um, we've been talking with Danny Shader here. Danny, thank you again so much for joining me. Hope to see you again at Affinivate before too long. Now that we're able to come back to in person events, but really appreciate Absolutely. you uh, taking the time. Thank you, Greg. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.